Hello, and welcome once again to episode 20 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri, and I'll be your host once again for this episode, and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey. And Ben. Hey, hey. So before we get into our main topic, it's time for our indie app spotlight. Uh, so we have two apps for you today, the first being CodeConf, made by Powell Madej. Uh, which aims to make over 400 talks available on your phone. So the talks cover not only Swift development, but over, Kot- but also Kotlin and React Native. Um, and it makes it super easy to just jump into a topic and start learning, which we all love to do on this podcast. Uh, so CodeConf is available for free with monthly and yearly subscriptions to support Powell. Uh, so please check out the link in the show notes to show your support. And our other app for you today is Our Blocks, a day planner by James Said available on Mac, iPhone, and iPad. So our block sports a clean and streamlined interface to make it easy to plan out your day one day at a time uh, without getting in your way with too many options and distracting you um, as it's so easy to do with like those get things done kind of apps. Um, so our blocks cost only $2. So this is like stupidly cheap. Uh, so be sure to che- uh, check it out and, and help a small indie devs uh, like James out because like we we rely as indie devs on uh, as many people as possible kind of trying out our apps because at $2, you're not making very much uh, per transaction. So uh, if only you're checking it out, definitely go, go ahead and uh, give it a download. Um, and it helps support our little community of uh, developers a lot. Um, so uh, moving on to our main topic, um, one thing that's often brought up, but it's rarely really taught, um, is ethics in tech. So we wanted to discuss it a bit today, and this is mostly spurred on by the whole fiasco. Um, and if you haven't heard, um, Lauren Britcher, which was the developer of Tweety, uh, he did some independent investigation and basically found that his computer ran a whole lot faster after uninstalling not only Chrome, but its auto-updater, which keeps Chrome current. Um, and it's really easy to just immediately assign malice uh, to Google for this because surely they're doing something uh, in the background to collect information that they don't really need uh, to keep a browser up to date. Um, and I think a lot of that kind of malice is aimed at Google because Google has a history of collecting as much information as possible. Um, and that might not be the most ethical thing because it immediately kind of gets the finger pointed in your direction when things go wrong, even if it has nothing to do with it. Uh, so we wanted to just kind of dive into this beefy topic a bit uh, to kind of see how we can, as developers, do better uh, in this ever-changing landscape where we weren't ever really trained to think about it. I think a huge thing that uh, Apple has done um, just very recently, uh, you know, aside from being kind of, I suppose, the um, the one spearheading the, you know, the large tech giant that's actually, uh, at least at the very least, appears to uh, be, you know, very concerned about privacy is with this latest uh, update of iOS 14, they're now making uh, developers include all of the things that they track about them. Uh, which I think is a huge thing, uh, just so that it's, I mean, we, uh, in the tech space are very much sort of aware that this stuff happens, but I'm not sure the average user is. And then that can be, um, 
sort of brought to light a little bit more. And I think that is a great starting point so that more people know, uh, hey, look at the pages and pages and pages of information that that Facebook uh, is tracking about you. Uh, you know, is it worth it? I, you know, that, that's for everyone to decide. But um, same thing with Google, right? I mean, it, uh, like you brought up the um, just Google Chrome, just slowing down people's systems. One, that's just a crappy thing uh, in general, just because your performance is worse. But then, uh, you know, yeah, they could be tracking whatever. And it comes right at the same time of <clears throat> the antitrust lawsuit with advertising and everything. And it's like, uh, you know, there's a reason uh, that Google took don't be evil out of their slogan because they start they, being evil. They, <laughs> they're, yeah, I mean, they're, I, for me, they, between them and Facebook, they feel like the figurehead of let us track your entire life and let us know more about you than anyone else in your life does because they see everything and it's just, it's scary. And, uh, you know, uh, I use Facebook a whole lot less. I have people on the other side of the world that I still like to talk to. And that's really the only way that they communicate. So I keep it. Otherwise I wouldn't, but other than that, it's, you know, uh, I very much don't enjoy supporting either company uh, because of all of these things that they're doing. I mean, Facebook in particular, because of these changes with iOS 14, if you go look on the app store now and you have, I think it's, the most recent update for yeah. iOS, mm -hmm. they they unlocked these new these new uh, sort of security and privacy notices, and in response, Facebook took out a full page ad in the New York Times, basically to decry these uh, these new requirements. And the way that they've decided to spin it is that this is going to ruin small business advertising on Facebook because the data they need to be able to provide targeted ads is what they're collecting and if without that those ads won't be effective and then the small businesses that rely on those ads you know will not be able to advertise effectively to their users that sounds like crap to me that doesn't that doesn't yeah. sound like a legitimate reason um you don't we we've you know the advertising sort of the modern advertising industry has existed for basically since radio right like certainly even before that with with print ads but i mean let's say a hundred years let's just round it off and say about a hundred years longer than that but we'll just say that for purposes of argument we've we've existed and we've thrived in cases where we haven't had mountains and mountains and mountains of data about the individual uh buyer right the person who might be who might be consuming you know these products and it somehow managed to work so so the idea that you need to collect 14 pages of information about me just seems very it's just very weak sauce when it comes to an argument about that and and also it's kind of become very clear that facebook in particular right they are definitely not good stewards of that information no. they're not doing good things with that information um they're not they don't actually care that much about their about their users it seems like um so you know they're 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 complaining in public they're complaining to regulators they're complaining to all kinds of people about this and saying that it's unfair um, but it, what I find really funny is that this is one case where I feel like Apple, they're not perfect, but I feel like they definitely are doing something for the consumer. Mm -hmm. Whether consumers will actually look at these many, many pages of, of things and actually care enough about it to maybe not use Facebook or whatever, um, or these other apps that, that have them, um, I don't know, right? I mean, there's been some people that have complained on Twitter that these, these sort of, they're calling them like privacy nutrition labels because they kind of look like that sort of. 
um, like you'd see on, on the box of the cereal or whatever, um, that they're too long and too complicated for people to understand, and they're just going to ignore them, which maybe they might. Um, but I feel like just the sheer size of it on its own is enough to make people maybe, if they don't understand all the little bits, to still at least go, wow, Facebook, th this page is super long. And when I look at some other apps that I use, maybe from Indies or whatever, the list is very, very short. Or non-existent, so right? Or non right. Like right? we don't collect so anything. Is, <laughs> yeah. Right. So like what is it about uh, about this that is that is different? I mean, the, the app that I, that I work on for my jobby job, um, we just released in December, and so I actually was required to, for the first time, fill this thing out because it was a. It, I don't know exactly when Apple put it in place as a requirement, but it was pretty recently, and so we just sort of happened to coincide with the release of this app was kind of right when that occurred, and so I had to fill it out. It's pretty extensive. They they ask you lots and lots and lots of questions, and I was able to basically answer no to almost everything. We don't collect hardly anything. We collect like your email address to create an account, and. Uh, we collect your location data if you give us permission, right? Because you, you, for that example, you have to in, in right. iOS, you have to give permission. So we, I, there was like two things maybe that we collect uh, and then I put on there and everything else I was just like, no, 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 we don't do any of that. Um, and so I've since looked at our listing in the App Store and it's nice and short and, you know, what it, what it should be. Um, and I'm happy with that. But it's funny that you look at that and you kind of compare that with like Facebook. They just yeah. collect everything. Like literally, literally everything. everything they get their hands on. And, and I don't even know if they care about even some of that, right? I mean, they're probably just collecting it to collect it. And the idea that uh, what I don't like is the sort of sense of entitlement. And this is true for these, these companies. This is true for government. I mean, governments around the world also are hungry for your data and they just feel like they deserve it and that it's not <laughs> yours to keep away from them. It's theirs to have. And if they've been, you know, in the case of like places like Facebook, if they've been getting it, you know, in the past because people weren't paying attention or it wasn't obvious what was going on, and now they're being restricted from getting it, like in this case with, uh, you know, with Apple. They're not even taking it away. They're just saying, we're going to give the user the ability to see what you're collecting, and then they can decide whether or not it is worth using your app or not. Right. Like, it's not even like they're making it sound like, like Apple's crushing them, and it's all they're doing is giving consumers choice, which, you know, I guess is the same thing if you're, <laughs> if you're on that side of the argument. Sure. But it's and just... It's just so sad that, that like all we're looking for here is choice and empowerment and, and these people feel like they're how dare you, right? They're, mm -hmm. that we're taking this away from right. you. So we're not taking anything away from you. We're just making you have to prove that you're worth it. And I think Facebook's bigger bigger gripe is another dialogue that Apple's going to be adding soon, mm -hmm. which basically allows the user to decide if they want to share their identifier that's shared between all apps for advertising between right. individual apps. Um, and that's the one that Facebook doesn't like because that means they can no longer collect information outside of the Facebook app to tie it with the profile that they're building um, of individual users. So if you don't know, uh, when you visit a website, it's likely has connect it likely has connections to Facebook, Google, all sorts of ad brokers uh, that will go ahead and build up a profile as you kind of leave breadcrumbs from page to page, from site to site. Uh, so anytime a site has like a like button, uh, that is Facebook's way of uh, kind of <laughs> installing itself on that website uh, to go ahead and track uh, what you do and what you're browsing. So that way it can go ahead and make it seem like it's giving you a better, um, a better experience, right? Like Twitter likes to call these, oh, these are personalized ads to give you a better browsing experience. Oh. <laughs> um, 
which makes sense because if you turn off the personalized ads, you get absolute crap um, yeah. that just shows up uh, because they have no way of targeting anything that you're kind of doing. Um, but the fact that Twitter asks, I feel at least is a bit polite. Like they might ask and ask and ask and never stop asking. Um, but it's so easy for these companies and the bigger the company is, uh, the better to kind of collect more and more information about it. And Google is probably not selling this information. This may, this is too important of information for them to sell directly to others. Um, but they are going to use it to target advertising to you. Same with Facebook. They're not going to sell it. However, the Chinese government is going to use this information to target minority groups, which they want to get rid of because they are not pure Chinese. You know, so this immediately can get into a very snaky hole of if your government is not the benevolent dictator uh, that wishes good for all, uh, can very easily be taken control of. And that information, if collected, can be immediately used to get rid of certain groups. And that is... That's where the problem lies, right? And this goes I, I into... Thought, go ahead. Honestly, I saw a DHH tweet recently about... I, I don't know exactly what it was about because he tweets about all kinds of things. But <laughs> but uh, but it was in relation to sort of the collection of this data, right? And people were arguing like, well, if people don't use it for anything, then like, what's the big deal? And he's like, that's not the problem. The problem isn't collecting it and then not using it. It's collecting it. Literally right. collecting it at all is a violation of your privacy and potentially your security, your safety, right? Like depending on the situation that you might be in and which country you live in, this can be a matter of like, oh, I get personalized ads or not. Or like you said, in some cases where there are governments that are much less friendly to their citizens. Uh, and I'm being very polite there by saying that because, you know, there are countries that, that do horrible things to their citizens. This is just another way for them to be horrible to their citizens, right? To be able to get that data and then do something with it that can lead to literally death in some cases, right? So this is not a matter of like, well, I either get ads for something that I like or I get ads for things that I'm not interested in. That is true in some cases, but it, but the stakes can be much, much higher than that. And so DHH's argument is like the collection is the violation, not the, not the usage of that data. Right. So the best data, the best way to protect yourself as a company on these things is to not collect data. And that's generally what Apple does is they just say, you know, like when the government comes calling and saying, we want to get into this phone or we want to do that or that. It's like we can't we literally cannot do that because we designed it so that it is impossible. And, and that, not only does that give you them like good cover. Right. But it also makes it so that it's that their promise is real. Right. Yeah. The, mm -hmm. We promise to protect you. And and we're and the way we're going to ensure that promise is we literally can't abuse this. There's no way for us to do it because we've designed it such a, in such a way that it's impossible for us to abuse. For example, like the 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 end end encryption and the sort of the locking down of your of your phone, for example, with the secure enclave. It's literally impossible to break. So I mean, not certainly not in any reasonable amount of time. So so we we are holding ourselves accountable through our own design, as opposed to like. We're going to hold ourselves accountable because we promise. It's like, well, promises mean nothing, sort of, in in this world because there some unscrupulous person is going to break the promise because they don't care, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's the problem. So then that means the collection itself is the problem. It's not a matter of how good or naughty you're going to be with the data. You can't collect it. That's that's the that's where the line should be drawn. And I think that's uh, that's something that you know the problem is for Facebook. If that if they held that ethos, they go out of business because right. they built their entire company on the on the idea that we're going to be a giant 
like vacuum of data and then we're going to we're going to exploit that data to to make money and so if you take away the collection then you take away their their basically their entire reason for being uh the whole like social network thing is just sort of a that's just the character it's a front give them their data, right? it's <laughs> yeah. a front yeah it's a front to get to get you to get their data and to sell you advertising right they want your eyeballs yeah. so that way they can show you something that you may or may not buy like ultimately comes down to is this data useful like i think the podcast industry has shown that a little bit of the data is useful knowing that you're interested in tech and sharing advertising right. that's related to tech that is useful right. But right. knowing if you are a man or woman or what age you are or what demographic you're in, like any of or that information. The grocery store last week, right? Exactly. Like, <laughs> that is a much less use. Like I remember a story from uh, quite a long time ago now uh, where Target was doing something similar. They were collecting information and they sent a pamphlet saying, oh, since you're expecting soon, here are diapers and baby supplies and the kid in the household was trying to hide this from their parents, but because yeah. they had browsed for something on the internet, target had linked wow. it to their address and sent them advertising that kind of spilled yeah. the beans. And that's not what you want to be doing as a uh, right. giant corporation, uh, a right. Um, yeah. And I'd heard that the dad complained to target or whoever it was about that. Mm -hmm. Like, how dare you send my teenage daughter, you know, pregnancy related things. And then like, he had to find out, Oh, Sure. She actually is pregnant, right? Which is like the worst possible way to find out about that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and represents this like huge violation of that girl's privacy. Yeah. Um, not, and not just in general, but like in particular because she was a minor. Like, I mean, we're talking about like you'd think like if, if uh, in some cases, if that was done by sort of a regular citizen, they could get in like literal legal trouble for that. Yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, when it's a corporation doing it, it's like, well, it was just a mistake. Right. Sorry. Right. I, I think it's a little too targeted. It's like right, and and that's the thing is like, just because you don't have a physical presence in Facebook or something, they think it's okay. Where really now, at, at least, well, okay, well, take this with a grain of salt. It, it feels like at least here in in sort of you know modern America, we we almost treat the a presence on the internet as a, a right more than anything. It's sort of just like yeah, you're going to be online. I know that's not the case everywhere. But what I'm trying to get at is, you know, uh, if someone was, you know, if, if that girl went into Target, and was looking at pregnancy tests on the aisle, and someone was taking pictures of her and showing her parents, it's effectively right. the same thing. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. physically, right? Where now it's like, right. Uh, my phone, maybe just because I'm I'm this kind of person, my phone is I feel like is almost an extension of myself. Like it has my information. Right. It, it is me on this device uh, that gives me access to the internet. Right. You know, uh, I feel like that should be protected in some way. Um, it, it it's just like this really weird thing where it shouldn't and happen. Minor girl was followed around by a person with a camera taking pictures of them and then exactly pictures to their parents people would be appalled right They'd oh be outraged exactly be, there would be pitchforks and torches in the streets right to let to have that stop so it's funny that that like i i honestly feel like just kind of like how sort of people don't understand people who are not in tech don't understand programming as a sort of discipline and right. often often uh, minimize it's the efforts required to sort of be good at it and to make good stuff um I feel like the a decent reason why that's the case is because it's so intangible. 
right? Yeah. Because when you build a car, you can go into the factory and see all the machines and all the people and all the parts that are required to put that car together. And you realize, okay, that's a, that's a serious investment of time and money and energy and, and resources, right, to, to create this thing. It, and, it, and what you get when you're done is sort of a thing that, is, that has a, sort of a value that is easily seen, yes. right? Like, right. oh, well, obviously that's worth X dollars, right, because of what it took to make. Whereas software, it's installed just bits and, and digital you know, pieces, and, and none of it is real in sort of that tangible sense. It's very easy to discount it, and I feel like this is the same thing, right? Like, like I said, if, if someone was following some poor girl around and was taking pictures of her and then reporting to her parents, that would be... A very know, physical encounter. Yeah, yeah that, that would be obviously very bad, right? That would be, that'd be obviously bad to sort of anyone. But mm -hmm. when the same thing happens when Facebook does it by putting a tracking pixel on the website that you're not even aware of, and maybe you're not even a Facebook user, you don't even have a Facebook right. account, and they're still tracking you, right? Because they build what they call what people call shadow profiles, which Facebook claims to not have, but totally it's been proven that they do. Uh, you know, they're collecting information about you, even if they don't, if you don't willingly give them permission to do so, because you don't have an account. For some reason, I think like it's just people are like, well, whatever. Like they just they don't they don't yeah. because it's not in their face and it's yep. not tangible. It's not as obvious, and that is, I think, sort of my biggest frustration as someone who is, you know, uh, a tech enthusiast, a programmer, right? It's very much in this world, and we can understand sort of those underpinnings and those those pieces underneath the covers that that are sometimes very scary, um, and then we try to explain those things or or, or create um, interest and excitement around. Like, you should be mad about this. This is bad, right? You should be very upset about this that this is happening to you and to us and everyone. And you should be mad and we should just do something about it. People just like – I mean, some people are obviously very interested and excited and, and, and pushing for change and stuff. But a lot of people are just like, well, whatever. Like, they just – they don't – they don't – I think they don't understand it and they don't either want to or they it's just too difficult or – I'm not sure why it is. I mean, people, I think, are a lot smarter than lots of – you know, than society gives humanity credit for in general. Um, and yet – for whatever reason, people just aren't interested in yeah. in this, and or they have that whole like I have nothing to hide, so no big deal. It's like yeah, okay, well, yeah, publish your bank account numbers on the internet, and we'll see how yeah. long it, it takes you to, to not have anything to hide. And then at, to finish my rant, uh, what I find really sort of the most annoying is that politicians are sort of the worst at this. Like they rail against things, and you know, Trump wants wants Apple to give up the keys to make it so that one phone can be open for that case from a couple of years ago, and and yada 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 and it's like and there's congress is still pushing to essentially outlaw end-to-end -end encryption uh because they want back doors and right and all this and then but then they never want that for themselves right they always yeah. want well our my secrets whether it be my congressional secrets or my personal secrets are worthy of being protected but none of the citizens secrets are worthy of being protected right like that's the most annoying hypocritical double standard that i think exists is that they you know they they prove that they they don't want to live under their own rules, and then also they're like even with the setup that we have, they're laughably unqualified to <laughs> be able to protect their secrets. Because how often does at least I mean this is probably true of all governments, but I, I watch the U.S. government because I'm a U.S. citizen. They constantly are 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 foolishly losing, you know, accounts for for insensitive data for millions of Americans. Um, in some cases, even and just like at Equifax, like, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like even like state secrets and stuff that's, you know, it's one thing to sort of lose like an individual citizen's personal data. That's a terrible thing. 
But you'd think that from their own self-preservation perspective, they'd be most interested in protecting the secrets that they want to keep secret. And they're not even good at that. Like, <laughs> they, even, they even leak those things. So it's like, give us the power to control all of this, and we promise to be good stewards of it. Except if you look at what we currently do with what we currently have, we're not at all ready to have that authority and power because we can't keep track of our own stuff. And so the idea, the idea that we would that we would allow that, it's just it's like you can't even keep track of what you have now, let alone if we were to give you even more data and more access. And that it just it's it's anybody I think who is in a position of relative power over a group of other people, like Facebook, like the government, like sort of anyone that's that's got like a captive audience of people that depend on them. They, I don't know what it is, but it just was me like a human flaw where they just like lose the ability to be objective about these things. Yeah, and they just go, "Give us all this stuff that we deserve, and 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 we promise to be good with it." And then and then you know, in real life, they just sort of don't care and and are not good with it and are not responsible. And and then they turn around and ask for more. It's like, right? Under what circumstances would I ever want to agree to that? And yet, and yet we do for the most part, which is. Well, and and that's the thing is uh, like like you guys mentioned, you know, uh, knowing if you're you know if you're using a podcast app and seeing a tech related ad, it's like cool. That is legitimately helpful to you. Yep. I don't think uh, you know. Uh, I need to be careful here. Uh, I don't think <laughs> you know collecting information is inherently a bad thing, but you no. don't need much at all to, uh, you know, improve, I, I suppose it really needs to be in the name of improving the user's experience legitimately, right? Yeah. Where, uh, like you guys said, you don't need their age, you don't need their sex, you don't need anything else really than, okay, well, are they interested in something? Cool, great, done. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's, that's it at the very most. And I don't even think it's really much of a fine line where uh, you, you know, <laughs> you don't need to know anything else about me and that's fine. Um, I, I have no real problem with personalized ads in that sense, but as soon as they start collecting information to collect it rather than legitimately trying to help you, that's where it becomes this, you know, okay, you, you're getting out of control. You know, what are you going to do with this? Are you going to uh, feed it to some neural network and surmise some, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. they could, yeah. they could do all sorts of stuff where I just have no idea. And it's, uh, it, it's really just scary to me, I suppose. Well, the law of unintended consequences is always gonna, you know, always gonna bite you, right? Like it's, yeah. it's no matter, I think no matter how benevolent you claim to be sure. with the data that you want to collect, you can just never, you can never rely on that being true forever. I mean, sort of, the, to me, the perfect example of that is like giving power, and I'm going to get political again for a second, but like speaking very generically, giving power to the executive office, the executive branch of the U.S. government, right? Giving more and more and more and more power, which we, which I'm not going to blame on anyone in particular. We've been doing that for a hundred years. We've been giving, sort of abdicating more and more and more power to that one office, which really means that one person, whoever's occupying the presidency, right? Uh, is something that is bad. It's just not a good idea because it's just coalescing more and more and more power into, into the hands of one person. And it's great when that person is someone that you agree with and that is sort of on your team. But that inevitably is going to change yeah. frequently, right? I mean, the maximum amount of time one person can occupy that office is eight years. So 
eventually the person that person's going to be gone, and then the likelihood of the person that you don't like taking that office is pretty high. We mostly flip back and forth between Democrats and Republicans pretty frequently. Um, it's pr- it's kind of rare for like one party to hold that office for a very long time. So. Like, why would you stand there and be like, yeah, 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 we're going to totally give this power to this person because this person happens to be a person that I like right now, this minute, knowing full well that within a short period of time, it's pretty decently likely that someone that you don't like and don't agree with and don't support is going to be occupying that office. And guess what? They get that exact same power. <laughs> so it's just like, why would, you, why would you condone any of that? Like, the best thing to do is to not give that power at all to anyone, right? Like, Keep it separate. Keep it, you know, the balance of, of, of authority among all the different sort of federal branches and all that kind of thing, right? Like, make it so that no one person can be too powerful. And this, and I feel like the same thing is true with, like, data collection and stuff like that. If yeah. you just give all of your stuff to one company, of course they're going to abuse it. Like what? And not to mention, like, a lot of people make the claim, oh, I have nothing to hide. Right. Ignoring the ignoring the bank accounts, just their general personality. They want to share stuff on Facebook. They are slowly yeah. leaking personality traits about themselves that Facebook will then yep. start collecting. And yep. Facebook yep. will start then linking that up with other like-minded individuals. And we get into a situation mm-hmm. where that can influence an election for the most part. Yeah. And that's where like this seemingly... like uninteresting information can slowly accumulate and then you can very easily become radicalized. I mean, YouTube's uh, algorithm is notorious for this. You can go down the rabbit hole and get in a very different rabbit hole. That is something that's much less uh, friendly uh, for anyone. And it's, unless you have the safeguards in place to know how to navigate that, it's very easy to fall in line uh, down the hole of like believing in conspiracy theories uh, and things like that, because you don't know what's like true and what's fake at that point, because you are assuming that this is kind of leading you down a an honest path. Um, and YouTube's algorithm is it's not it's not the fault of the algorithm that that's that that happens right in the sense that they didn't design it to be like that. They designed it to give you basically recommendations on things that it thinks you might like based on what you watch at a very basic level that sounds totally reasonable right, right? Mm-hmm. like that's yeah like, oh, well, exactly like hats, yeah as, like, if you like, don't think about the repercussions then yes that's reasonable <laughs> right yeah you're like that sounds fine and and i and i feel like in general as a as a group of people engineers tend to be we're very focused on the happy path right because that's, yeah. that's how we're that's how we're trained and that's also how we're rewarded right like as an engine as an engineer i'm rewarded when i build something that does x right so i am very focused on on building a thing and making it do x right and i'm in general fairly blind to like all the other ways in which it might work because as an engineer i have to be focused on my goal right in order to get there and so and you know when you're building something there's lots of ways it, it doesn't work and so you have to be very very focused to get to a solution that does work. And it tends to put, you know, you end up with blinders on where you're like, you can't see all the other things. And that is bad because like, it makes it difficult for you to find bugs, stuff like that, which is why automated testing is useful. Why having a testing group that is not you is also useful. Why testing it on, you know, giving the app to your mom and your, and your, and your family and your friends and stuff that who are like disinterested third parties is a good thing because it helps them. They, they can point out things to you that you might not notice. But the, the much more insidious part of that of those blinders is that it can also lead to a scenario where you as sort of a, I want to do good for the world. I want to build this 
video sharing platform that makes it really easy for people to make videos and upload them and share them and all that stuff, you might become blind to the idea that, oh, but if, if taken to, to the sort of logical conclusion, you could end up in a scenario where someone is looking, for th looking at something that, that may not be good for them or whatever, um, and then your algorithm feeds that interest to the point that now you've pushed them way down, like you said, into this rabbit hole of very sketchy, very questionable content. Um, and, and then also because your platform is so big, you can't properly police it with humans because there's just too much video to look at. And so lots of video that shouldn't probably be on YouTube is on YouTube anyway, just because of the imperfect nature of their filter. And then you end up in this scenario where some kid, for example, is, has found a video that is in theory for children, but was uploaded by a terrible person who puts really awful content like yeah. in the middle of it. And guess what? For and targeted advertising. <laughs> yeah. And then for this the most kid part. Like, ends up sort of being subjected to this thing, not because they were doing something bad. They were just like following links of fun videos about yeah. for children. Or even it was auto-playing, right? I mean, yeah. it's yeah. just right. the video ends and another one plays. They didn't even click on it. Right. And that's the problem. That's the thing that as engineers, we need to be at least aware of. And I think the, the reason why we're talking about this topic at all is because uh, like you said, Dimitri, right the, at the start, this is not taught really. I mean, I didn't get, I don't think I got anything, any kind of training about this when I was in school. Um, and, and, and maybe, maybe it's a little better now. I mean, that was, you know, 15 years ago, but maybe it's, that's, there's new classes that are involved, but, uh, in general, we don't really hear about it. And then the people that run the companies that we work for generally don't bake that into their, their ethos, right? Like, Hey, when you're making decisions as an engineer, we want you to make them in a way that is as ethical as possible. Like yeah. that's just not a directive that probably anybody really ever gets with any seriousness. Um, and that's a problem because it can create these kind of things where you, you build this thing you think is going to be this like benevolent, great, wonderful thing. And it is, but it's like also terrible, <laughs> like unintentionally terrible. And then what do you do about that? How do you like, what, I mean, Dimitri, if you were going to give advice to like the YouTube engineers about the algorithm, what, what would you even what would you even tell them? Like, what, what kind of advice would you give them about that? Well, you need to think like a bad person, right? You need to have the worst ideas that you kind of shelve away in the back of your mind, but know that they exist. Because if you never think about them, yeah. you're never going to consider them. And that's that's where it kind of ends up in a, in a shitty place. And it's interesting you bring up that us, like developers and software engineers, we like very thankfully, we grew up in mostly good situations where we don't have to think about a lot of these problems, but that causes problems inherently, yeah. as you brought up. Um, and I always found it marvelous that the tech industry as a whole was relatively free of corporate espionage, mm -hmm. um, like mm -hmm. assassination attempts. Like you never heard of that kind of stuff in the tech yeah. sphere. But like one company that kind of started making that more and more commonplace was Uber. So Uber is kind of like a financial people coming into the tech sphere. Uh, and what they've done was kind of genius, but also kind of horrendous if you think about it, is they took over the taxi uh, business um, by undercutting it for years to the point where it got strangled. And then once they have a stronghold on it, they were able to uh, basically profit wholly on it because there's no more competition. Um, now, Uber kind of is this representative company, but there are tons of companies now that are kind of cashing in on the tech space 
um, because it's been so naive for so long. Um, and that that's another problem that if you're if you're working for one of these companies, you can't put the blinders on and not see that it's happening because it is happening and it's been happening uh, from the beginning. Um, and you are often playing with other people's lives and ability to support their families in the process. For instance, in Uber's case, shutting down taxi systems, uh, taxi companies worldwide, uh, basically enabled them to wholly profit off of drivers because now the driver is no longer in command. They don't have an alternative. Everyone sees the Uber way of doing it as more convenient. So instead of empowering taxi drivers, they essentially took away any possibility for them to, as a whole, support their family. Of course, you're going to see one or two that are going to kind of do well, but they are directly influencing laws now. Like they essentially bought Prop 22 in California that allows them to remain as contractors indefinitely with no benefits, no minimum wage, no nothing. Uh, basically. Right. And since they got away with that, like it's one of the most expensive propositions that has ever been bought. Uh, they are kind of pushing it in other states. So they kind of started down the more sketchy borderline illegal path of kind of taking over industries. And now that they kind of got their foot in the door, uh, they are doing it all legally now um, because they have the push for it. Um, so it's very important when you are considering a start, like starting a startup, uh, or taking venture capitalist money to really think about how that money is ultimately going to be used because you can start a company and the only way to get tons of users is to make something free. How are you going to kind of make something out of your company in that case? Well, you need to monetize your users somehow. And like this all kind of folds into itself um, and it's all kind of centralized around this topic of ethics. Um, so that's that's why I think it's really important that we we do get the discussion out there um, and that we do talk about it and we shouldn't be quiet about it because it's unpleasant to hear, definitely. But it is something that we need to be constantly aware of. And like I said, when Ben asked, you need to think of the bad scenarios. You need to be a horrible person a little bit on the inside to think about all the ways that this can be misconstrued so that way it doesn't happen. Because otherwise it will. Like if you don't do anything, it's... We've shown uh, everything to the point where Congress is finally starting to take notice, right? Facebook is under antitrust investigation. Google is under antitrust investigation. Um, Apple is under it less so, not for them, the consumer point of view, but from the app developer point of view, because it's it's a ripe group to kind of take advantage of to prop your system, your your OS up, right? And I think they're really like, truly difficult part about it is that if you look at like uber right i mean while while i agree that um you know they've done some very very uh, questionable things with the way they choose to run their company um at the same time it's not like the taxi industry was some bastion of freedom and <laughs> like true. wonderful service and stuff right i mean like the medallion the whole medallion thing in new york city and all that i mean it was just like just rife with corruption and just terrible terrible stuff um, so it's not like they were replacing an industry that was perfect and they come in and they're terrible. Um, but I agree with you that they de have definitely done things that are sort of not not good for their employees. On the other hand, they I've heard all kinds of stories about how, you know, particularly people, sometimes people in minority groups and stuff where maybe a taxi is not going to stop for them. 
they can get an Uber now because the way that it works, it's just much more democratized and it's also more anonymous um, in the sense that the Uber driver receives a request for a ride and they just go pick them up and like, what do they care, right? I mean, they're just, they're getting the money, uh, it, it's fine. Um, so in that sense, it has, you know, and certainly from a user consumer perspective, using Uber is way easier than using mm -hmm. a taxi. Yeah. Um, so, so they have brought value to the world and they have made that process better for a population of people. The, you know, sort of the user, and then they've made it, I think, in some ways better for the employees, right, for the for the sort of the, the labor side of it, um, because they've been they've enabled people to be able to be Uber drivers in a, in a more in an easier way than trying to get in to become a taxi driver. And you know, that, I'm sure there's there is definitely some democratization there as well. But like on the flip side, they've done things that are, you know, we're just going to keep all the money and <laughs> and we're going to treat you kind of pretty poorly in general. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, and like so that's definitely not good. No, and the, and the same thing happens with like DoorDash, where uh, you, you know you tip them, and all of the all of that tip was going to DoorDash until they got caught, and they said, "Oh yeah, now we'll start paying uh, the tips to right. the drivers." It's like, come on, guys! Like, in what world did you think that was an okay thing? Where one, you weren't going to get caught, and at the very least, like that the drivers wouldn't be mad at you for for something like that. I mean. Yeah. You know, it, and then all DoorDash customers knew that that tip was going to the driver. Exactly. Right? I would never assume the tip wasn't going to go to them. That's why I tip them. Yeah. Like, so that fact, that's what makes it like. There's already a service bad. fee. There's already tax. Yeah, like, like it's a separate thing. Right. Yeah. And, and not to mention the restaurant, which doesn't even get most of the money that you are right, supposedly exactly. paying for yeah. the order. Like I don't, I've seen a few receipts that were shared of like an order coming in. The restaurant gets half of what like the bill would have come out to if you had gone there directly. Yeah. And that's because DoorDash can set their prices. They can set their commission on every little item uh, and they have full control over that. And that's actually right. a problem. Um, and one of the contracts I'm working in is kind of related to this because Instacart, DoorDash, all of these Yelp, like they have full control over white labeling kind of every entity that's out there. Yeah. to the point where they're strangling those industries. So that's kind of why I started with Uber with the taxi industry, even though they weren't the most uh, like beneficial like set of companies out there. Right. The right. fact that they got strangled to the point of non-existence is concerning because now there's little competition to the model that Uber is kind of following, right? right? Lyft does the same thing. They're not any better uh, yeah. at this point uh, because that's the only way to make the model work is to they're they're essentially leeching off of off of yeah. the drivers right right so yeah and i mean it, it's it's uh actually just forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> um but but yeah I, I agree that they're they're i mean to me someone who has a particular sort of perspective on things from a political perspective i find that like in most cases when you see stuff like that the problem is usually the regulatory structure and the way that that uh, those companies interact with each other and with the government and stuff. And for the most part, it's because government is giving them all kinds of sweetheart deals. And stuff. I mean, the reason why the taxi industry was so corrupt is because like the medallion system in New York, right? That was the that was the state or the sorry, the city government playing fast and loose with all these with these things and charging a gazillion dollars for a medallion right. and just like and, and artificial limiting it and like doing all kinds of stuff that was just super dumb. Um, so I feel no love loss for them at all. Uh, but, and, and, and I will say that, you know, innovation is driven just like, just like a forest is driven off of, you know, the, the growth of its, of its constituent, you know, 
participants, right? All the plants and animals that live there and their death and, and rebirth as, as different plants and fire and all those kinds of things, right? They keep, they keep the, the forest uh, vibrant. And I feel like in many ways, the economy is the same way, right? Not all companies get to exist forever and companies that don't work need to be shut down. And, you know, like there, there, is, there is a reason why stuff churns. Um, but the problem is if you use sort of jackbooted thuggery and, and the power of the government behind you to make that death occur for a particular cus- uh, company, not because they deserve it because they're not good, but because they're just sort of being pushed out, like that's where – that's the problem, right? And, like, and, and I think probably in Uber's very early days, they were, they were the little guy, right? So they were, they were the ones kind of being messed with by the government and by the regulations, and, and they were kind of they – were, they were going to get strangled potentially early on if they didn't build up enough traction, right. but then, you know, it's, it's the, it's the dark night quote, right? Like either you die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Right. And like, that's, that's what's happened to Uber is that, and a lot of these companies have gotten so big that they're now, they're not the little guy anymore. Now they are the huge behemoth that has also got the government in their pocket. And, and they've just created this collusion where, where they can now kind of do whatever they want. And that's really kind of the problem is that when they get, that big it's just it's almost it seems like it's almost inevitable that 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 happens and that's it's sad but it is you know it is just sort of i guess a way of the world yeah it's a very slippery slope and and one thing to really keep in mind with that analogy is although like companies may churn these are real people's lives that are being heavily influenced by this and the absence of their the one way that someone may know to make a living like if that company disappears and then a completely different one pops up they are not necessarily prepared for that so it's not like taxi drivers got like just left the company they were working for and started working for uber and everything was the same no a lot of them lost their jobs and a completely different population took up the the mantle at that point and that churn like from a company point of view is good like we want things to kind of move around but from the point of view of those individuals that is a horrible situation i mean think of like kind of leaving technology a bit but going into energy like we have kind of built an empire on coal and oil so Mm -hmm. as soon as we're moving to renewable we're saying oh this will make so much more jobs and we can shut down these plants guess what the people working in the coal mines they are not the ones that are going to be doing any of that work so they're always going to be upset by these decisions because they have been doing that kind of whole taken advantage of right. to do only yeah. that. And they have suffered because of that and they can't do anything else. So that's right. going into it. That's why education is so important to kind of help those people move on to a different sector in yeah. their life as these things get replaced because the replacement is getting faster and faster as technology kind of takes more and more influence around every industry that exists. Like, it's it's gone from the little guy to this is the main industry that's mm-hmm. kind of running everything on the planet uh, and everything is kind of being propped up by it. So it's very important to think about how everything is being influenced by our decisions because ultimately as software developers, we are shepherding this, this ship, right? Yeah. yeah. And at this point, we're shepherding the entire planet um, <laughs> and it's we are not prepared for it, <laughs> like to be completely honest. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's it's very important that um, as if you are someone that's kind of jumping into technology, you really need to think about this um, from everyone's point of view, because it's very easy to kind of 
go into that slippery slope and not think about it. And we end up with the situations that we currently have right now. Um, and yeah, it's not a great place to be. What I think is so difficult is, you know, um, like as a hypothetical, let's say, you know, you, uh, get contacted by a recruiter at Facebook, right. And maybe you've been looking for a job for, for six months, right. Uh, maybe you just take the job to have money to provide for yourself and, or your family. That's a hard situation to be in where, uh, you know, ethically you're like, I don't want to support this, but there's no other choice. And so it, it's so hard on an individual level to really feel like you can make a difference. And, you know, in some situations, like take what you can get, but, uh, you know, if at all possible, you know, think about, you know, is this a company that I feel is, uh, being ethical, not just with my information, but in general, just in any way, um, some, uh, again, some people don't have that luxury, but I think, that's uh, to me, at least uh, f from my perspective, as as a software developer, I don't really feel like there's much that I can do. I'm not in any management position. There's not any, yeah. uh, you know, real influence that I have. But what I can do is say, uh, yes, I will help build this thing, or no, I won't. Um, and maybe that's all you can do, if if anything I mean, at all. You know, I yeah, it's hard. That's true, but I think at the same time, uh, you know, small moves can create large. Sure, absolutely. Create large effects. So uh, it is very much a sort of a privileged position to be in to be like, listen, I'm not going to take the job at Facebook because I don't agree with your with your politics and your policies and your ethics, uh, because I have the ability to go get another job or whatever. And and that that's definitely not a thing that we would ever want to say that you as in the audience should do. Um, just because right, right. Like that's that's not our place to say that that's yeah. you need to make your own decisions for your own life um and and sometimes you need to do things that maybe you don't agree with right and that's mm -hmm. that's just part of life um but i will say so what i will say to that is like uh if if we as a as a group of technologists right as if i just, if i speak now for all, <clears throat> all software developers just for uh, just for one minute if we since we do have you know a, a, an enormous amount of power in the world collectively because so much of the world is sort of being eaten up by software um and i think largely for the for the better right we're, we're more connected and we're, we're we're happier and richer and you know as a society i feel like we are moving generally in the right direction um and and we are making things more available to more people so that's good uh but like like we said here there's lots of things that are not good <laughs> that are not yeah. good about what we're doing and so maybe instead of uh you know instead of trying to advocate for like only work for companies that you have, you know, strong ethical connections with and whatever. Um, that's just not going to be possible in sort of the yeah. practical world. Um, instead, maybe what we try and say is, is take the job, right? Maybe, you know, it's, it, it's always easier to find a job if you have one. So as general advice that I give to anybody listening who might be even like a junior kind of getting into the field, it's always easier to get a job if you have one. So even if the job that you're taking is not interesting to you or, or maybe a little ethically questionable, um, again, pick your own boundaries and, and work from within that framework. And, and I'm not giving you advice on what you should or shouldn't do uh, as far as an individual job or company. I'm just saying, like, create your own sort of ethical framework and work from that. But if you pick one, like, oh, I'm going to work at Facebook for six months because I, that's just what I have available to me, um, you can still do that. You can you can take that sort of ethical hit, I guess, of, of like taking a job for a company you don't really agree with. 
and yet still, even in your own capacity as perhaps, uh, you know, just a developer uh, who's not really in any position of real authority, you can still choose to make decisions that uh, push the, you know, push the needle just a little bit, right? Like, so if a feature is being talked about, you can push back on, I think this is not a good idea for X number of reasons. Um, you can you can sort of make very obviously very probably small changes. The bigger the company, the smaller change is going to be. But like you can make these small changes, or or at least propose these small changes. Um, and then if nothing else, your voice is being added to the group uh, thought process. And maybe in some small ways, you might affect the product. You might affect the thought processes of other engineers that are on your team or that are on other teams who hear your arguments. Um, these are not things that are going to change the world overnight, but but I feel like you know if we all were just to do that more uh, in the jobs that we're in and the jobs that we're going to have in the future, the uh, collectively right all those small moves might help to sort of nudge us in a direction that might be better. So don't you know don't feel like your contribution is worthless, even if it's small. Um, and and don't feel like because it's small, therefore it's not worth doing. Like again, it's up to you. It's up to your own ethical compass and deciding what works best for you. I'm not trying to give you any specific advice here, but just you know, work out what what works for you, and then and then tr sort of be happy in the thought that I'm making. I'm going to approach my job right, my job as a software engineer, in a way that is as consistent with my own ethics as I can be. Right sort of realizing that I'm also within the confines of a company that someone else is in charge of, and so therefore it can't always be perfect. Um, and then I'm gonna be happy with sort of the fact that I'm gonna approach things from that from that angle, and, um, and I'm gonna do what I can, right? Yeah. To make things better in my own small ways. And and maybe, maybe it's small, and maybe occasionally you hit on something that ends up being a big thing, right? That right. ends up changing some, something sort of dramatically, and then that's even better, right? But just kind of like, you know, you, you can't win the lottery if you don't play, right? You're not, you're definitely That's never going true. to be able to make ethical uh, movements in the right direction for your company if you don't try. And it's yeah. way easier as a new hire, right? You haven't yeah. been put down yet for speaking right. your opinion. Uh, so you should be as vocal as you can about it. Um, the quieter you are, the more it instills everyone to be quiet. Um, yeah. So if you are a new hire at a company and the, they're encroaching on something that you feel is not right, speak up because guess what? The people on your team probably are like-minded. They've just been told to kind of keep to themselves a bit more from the past. Um, and they might feel like that's an opportunity for them to also agree with you publicly. Um, so unless you're told directly, hey, uh, stop thinking about doing the right thing and we need to kind of do the wrong thing to keep business going, that's the point where you pull out. But if if you can get away with as many uh, proposals as possible to do the right thing, then you should. And you should never let that part inside of you kind of die because that's 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 where it becomes very easy for things to get misconstrued uh, and go uh, spiraling in a direction that no one really wants. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you are in a position of power at a company, if you're a manager, if you're a lead, if you are a VP, if you're the CEO, right? If you're listening to this podcast and you are in any position of power at a company, I guess, particularly a software company, that's, not what we're, that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, make sure that you make space in your 
in your management for your people to give you that feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Make sure that you are doing stuff to, to secure those opinions from your employees um, and, and make it clear that not only will they not get in trouble, but, but I kind of expect you to, to tell me what you think, to give me your real opinion, to tell me when something is screwed up or not working or potentially dangerous or whatever. Like I want to, if I'm the manager, I want to know all those things because I would, quite frankly, I would much rather find out that from an employee than get like a terrible review from a customer or whatever, right? If, yeah, we, that's true. if we inadvertently make a bad decision, it's actually bad for business to be that unethical because eventually it'll, you know, kind of like the, like the, um, the thing about the tips, right? Like that came back to bite them yeah. because they, they didn't, they were just being pretty greedy and pretty naughty and they were like, well, we're not going to get caught. And then they got caught and they got a bunch of bad press for it. Right. So, uh, so it's, 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 it always will come back to bite you eventually. So I'd much rather, just from a, even if you're just thinking from a self-preservation point of view, right? Like I'd much rather find out about these things from my team because then we can fix them and then we don't have that bad PR episode rather than waiting and having everyone be quiet, know about it, but be quiet about it. And then we find out later like, oh yeah, this was actually a terrible idea. Right. And then people are like, well, yeah, we thought, we thought so too, but we didn't tell you. Like what? Why did, <laughs> why did you say anything? So, so you, you should... If, if you are in a position of power, you should always strive to empower your teams to give you as much honest feedback as possible. And, and, and not, it's not just enough to be, to say that, or to, to sort of know that in your, in your heart and in your, in your head, that that's what you would accept. You need to tell them, you need to tell your teams, the people that work for you, that this is explicitly not only allowed, but encouraged please, please, please come bring whatever to me or to someone, right? And then even if there's things about like, maybe it's stuff that like people would be mad if they were called out on, right? Like then maybe the company should have a, a way to anonymously send in mm -hmm. information, right? Like basically a whistleblower kind of thing. But the, the only, in my opinion, the only way for a company to remain ethical is to actively and vocally require their employees to bring these things to light when they encounter them and feel free from any kind of retribution on that, right? Like you are not going to get in any trouble for bringing this up. In fact, you're going to be encouraged to do so. You can't just expect that that's going to happen. You have to actively encourage it by vocally and, and in writing, tell your people that that is what is encouraged because otherwise, like, like you guys have said, right? Generally speaking, people are like, well, I might be kind of, vocal when I first get here, but I'm pretty soon I'm going to be sort of right. beaten down by this collective sort of uh, society that exists within this team. And I'm going to not speak up. And that is, I think, particularly true for anybody in our field who is not a white dude, right? Like anybody yeah. that is, that is, that is not like that is going to be, whether you are gay or you are a different race or different gender or whatever, you're, you're likely going to probably be pretty quiet to begin with because of, previous discrimination or previous sort of bad experiences and then it might even be worse right so so i'm i'm making a call to all managers all vps all ceos all leaders within companies right like actively pursue this feedback by telling your people that you want it and that there will literally be no retribution at all and then you actually have to do that you have to accept people's feedback and you have to thank them and you have to 
encourage mm-hmm. it and you have to not punish them like that in, in order for this to work properly you have to do what you say you're going to do and, and i think if more companies did that um we'd just be in a much better place because i personally believe in humanity more than maybe some might uh, and i feel like john people are good and they want to do good things and and it's often sort of the system right that that prevents them from doing doing good for themselves and for society and so like we like like you said Dimitri, right we need people to speak up more like you need to be more proactive about speaking up but also we need the people who are in power to actively encourage uh that right that 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 happens exactly yeah that's a much better way of looking at it thanks for uh well yeah Thanks for putting it in a better way. I think that's that's probably a much more uh, healthy way to look at it, but also something that would actually make more of a difference. So, well, and, yeah, and if we're going to use this podcast as as uh, as modest as it may currently be, right? Like as a, as a force for for good, I think we need to make sure that we call out all the ways in which this can be better, and it can be better by individuals being more proactive about speaking up um, and 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 being, you know. And, and following their own ethical compass. But like as much as that is that bottom up sort of movement is necessary, we also need the top down to work that way too. And as someone I'm, you know, I've been uh, in a position of leadership for the last couple of years, I am at my current company and, and I'm trying very hard to do what I just said, right. To sort of be that. And I'm actually, I've, I've reminded myself today that I'm going to do this on Monday. I'm going to once again, remind my team, to do this right because it is i probably can't say it enough right as as the leader Mm -hmm. uh, and it's easy to get sort of bogged down in all the stuff that you have responsible for and whatever that you just forget right and so that's why i'm kind of i'm reminding myself as much as i'm reminding everybody else right that this needs to happen and it's the only way it's going to work right it's the only way that we're going to actually make things better is sort of top down bottom up we kind of meet in the middle and 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 we create a system that is better than what we found when we got there. And on that very positive note, this week's episode is brought to you by Sticky Widgets. Sticky Widgets is the absolute easiest way to put a sticky note on your home screen and edit it quickly. It's so easy, you never need to open the app itself. Add a sticky widget to your home screen through the iOS home screen editor and tap on it to edit. That's about it. Of course, there's tons of customization options as well. Font, color, text size, alignment, all conveniently located in the system's edit widget interface. As many sticky widgets, add as many sticky widgets as you'd like or put them in a smart stack. Sticky widgets are digital sticky notes for your phone. Use them however you'd like. And I've heard recently that there's a new version of sticky widgets that has even more customization. So be sure uh, to check them out. Sticky widgets is a free download on the App Store and additional font and color options are available for a one-time in-app purchase. Uh, thank you so much to Sticky Widgets for sponsoring Code Completion. Check out Sticky Widgets on the iOS App Store today. Uh, so with all that out of the way, it's time for Compiler Error, a segment where I get to test my fellow completionist knowledge about Swift, Apple, and all things development. This is their favorite time of the week, so let's get right into it. Uh, yeah, favorite. Sure. That's what I would use to describe this. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. So uh, we have a fun uh, list of topics, uh, or a fun list of statements for today, all around uh, litigation against Uber. Um, so I figured this is... Uh, perfect for today's topic. Uh, so let's go through these one by one. So number one, Lyft CEO sued Uber for allegedly and on multiple occasions sending escorts to his private home. 
as a supposed retaliation and intimidation tactic against Lyft's then-expansion into New York City, which was settled for $2 million. Statement number two. An antitrust lawsuit was filed against Uber by a passenger claiming collusion with drivers to raise prices, which later got dramatic when Uber privately investigated and said and uh, when Uber privately investigated said passenger using fraudulent and arguably criminal conduct during the investigation. Uh, statement number three: A former Uber driver filed a lawsuit against Uber regarding its star rating system, which the plaintiff claims disproportionately leads to the firing of people who are not white or speak with accents. And statement number four, as recently as August, uh, California's labor commissioner uh, is once again suing Uber and Lyft, uh, claiming the companies are stealing wages from drivers by willfully misclassifying them as contractors instead of employees. Um, So uh, let's start with you, Spencer. Okay. I don't want any of these to be true. I know. <laughs> Just as a first statement. <laughs> these are terrible. Um, all right. Number one feels like a very Silicon Valley thing to do. I could totally see that happening. Um, unfortunately, with all of these, I don't really live in an area where Uber even was a thing for quite a few years. Uh, so my, my knowledge of it isn't great. I just really know about kind of the, the very larger things like the current uh, stuff with the con- you know, them being contractors and a, a couple other things. But a lot of this I, I haven't even heard of. So I'm kind of taking a shot in the dark here. But I'm going to say number one sounds like it could have happened for sure. Um, uh I think number two is probably where I'm kind of thinking it's, um, I I think is the compiler error. I think uh, number three sounds like something that could definitely have happened. Um, The star rating system, yeah, I can see how that's very disproportionately um, favoring certain people. Um, And that whole, you know, um, contractor thing is just very much in uh, kind of, it's around right now, so I can see that uh, getting uh, some more traction and, you know, another lawsuit happening. So I'm going to go with number two more than anything, just because it feels like, yeah, well, yeah, it's a gut feeling. <laughs> it feels too far, even though these are all kind of too far. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I think I'm probably going to agree. Number one feels, especially if it was when Travis Kalanick was in charge yeah. of Uber, that sounds exactly the kind of thing that he would do. Uh, he's kind of a, from what I can tell, sort of a terrible person. Um, so, and it just feels very like like uh, one CEO trying to screw over another CEO by doing a, sort of this like terrible prank. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that feel that feels true to me. Um, and number four definitely seems like that could that is you know is potentially even what's kind of going on right now. Um, two and three. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Uber has probably gotten all kinds of lawsuits from from all kinds of people about yeah. various things. So this is definitely plausible. Uh, and then number two um, seems like it should be too much. Like that that is just like too far for them to go. But on the other hand, if number one is true. Then- <laughs> Why wouldn't number two be also two? So, so I'm just going to stick with Spencer and go with solidarity. I'm going to go with number two as the compiler error because it seems like it's too far. But but quite frankly, 
I wouldn't be surprised if you pulled some kind of weird thing or like this week they're all true because we're showing you. <laughs> oh my gosh, true, huh? So, uh, so I feel like that would have been so him. easy. <laughs> I feel like I kind of can't win no matter what I do uh, here, um, just because all these are just so terrible. Uh, but I'm going to work number two. Okay, uh, so will this be a sweep? Will you both get me this week? Let's find out. Uh, so let's start with number one. So uh, Lyft CEO sued Uber for allegedly and on multiple occasions sending escorts to his private home as a supposed retaliation intimidation tactic against Lyft's then expansion into New York City, which was settled for $2 million. So I originally heard this uh, from a friend at WWDC uh, when Lyft was kind of first getting a lot of traction with their pink mustaches. Uh, and that friend um, said they were Lyft CEO's like friend. So it was like a, a direct um, connection there. Uh, and so that was like one of the first things I looked into for this week's uh, compiler error. And I was very surprised to find very little, if no information on any of this. Uh, so I kind of hodgepodge this together from mm -hmm. some rumor that I've heard uh, linked to uh, some random uh, kind of uh, research I did of a lift going into New York City uh, and a some settlement for a mythical $2 million between <laughs> CEOs. Uh, so this one is absolutely, unfortunately, the compiler error. Sorry, guys. <laughs> But again, that's what you can't win. This is all, yeah, mm -hmm. because these are all just terrible, terrible, and yet and yet plausible. Yeah, exactly. And I believed that rumor for the longest time. I thought that was true. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of leading into the the most important thing is always always research things before you kind of yeah. share them, uh, because it's right. it's super easy to get into the hole of believing something and spreading the news, and that can kind of keep going from there i mean spencer you said this sounds like a very silicon valley thing to do yeah. how much how how much do we know about what actually happens in silicon valley for things like this to actually happen yeah you know yeah, it's true um it, it's it's very easy to kind of lose our way and to just believe these claims and that's that's the the hardest thing and that's when I reveal that number two is also the compiler. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. Uh, this, one is <laughs> this one is absolutely true, unfortunately. Um, and it kind of goes into that. Um, you, you put it best then, not thievery, uh, but thuggery, uh, where uh, companies can kind of bully people into just falling in line if it kind of doesn't go their way. Uh, mm -hmm. So they they set up a, an investigation against the the passenger in this case, uh, and they pulled up all sorts of very sketchy things with this investigation mm. to the point where the judge said, we're throwing all of this information out because you clearly did this illegally um, and right. uh, did it in a way that we are probably going to have a separate lawsuit uh, just regarding that. Um, so I don't know if that second lawsuit is actually a thing or not on the note of uh, making sure you do research before you make claims. Um, but uh, that's that's where the article kind of uh, went. So uh, be careful, I guess. If well, I don't know, I don't know who to tell to be careful because I, I want to encourage people to speak up against <laughs> these sorts of things. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's disconcerting to hear that companies do kind of rely on this um, to kind of intimidate people to kind of settle right. or to 
think it's not important anymore and they can continue to get away with yeah, right. those sorts of tactics. And I think like the, the, the encouragement should be like, speak up when you feel like you are willing to sort of live with the potential consequences of speaking up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the consequences are low, I would say definitely speak up. If the consequences are medium, then like that's when you need to start deciding what that, whether it's worth it to you or not. Um, and then if consequences are high, of course, again, right, be careful and consider those things. So, um, because the, the world is full of people, full of situations where someone has power and someone doesn't have power and you have to decide whether it's, it's, you know, whether it's going to be effective at all, whether it's going to be lead to any particular kind of outcome, uh, whether you are in sort of danger of like right. maybe being sort of like minimally like harassed and maximally like killed. I mean, there, there, there are definitely scenarios where, where the stakes are really high um, and you need to be careful about how, how you proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, uh, the classic example of this is the, the hot coffee McDonald's case. Um, if you ever look into it, it is not at all what you think because no. it's been misconstrued so much yeah. through smear campaigns to make it seem like everyone in America is litigious against companies and the poor companies need to do everything to put warning labels on everything. The case is right. nothing about that. Um, so yeah. I don't know enough details to kind of recap it for everyone, uh, but definitely do look it up. Look into the details of that um, because hmm. it is quite eye-opening as far as yeah. like how little that poor woman had to gain for how much she right. lost in that. Like she basically wanted to make sure no one burns themselves. Right. She was not after yeah. the money. She was not after anything yeah. other than like, just make sure you don't put your coffee on boiling um, right. before you serve it to people. That was it. Yeah, the lawsuit was for like a hundred grand or something. I mean, it was, it was basically much less. sort of like cover her medical well it mm-hmm. ended up being a little higher but like i think yeah. like originally it was like 25 grand it was it was basically mm-hmm. just to cover like her medical bills mm-hmm. and the problem was that they were serving the coffee at i don't remember exactly but it was like let's just say 20 degrees hotter than it even needed to be to be hot like it was already hot at some number and they were serving it at like 20 or 30 degrees higher than that and she so suffered was, like third degree burns on her legs yeah, and crotch it, it was, was like, like not a good thing hot. Yeah, and it, and 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 then she yeah she got suffered third degree burns and it, and and basically she went to them with I think it was like somewhere on the order of like a twenty five thousand dollar twenty five thousand dollar request to basically cover her medical bills and they told her to you know go away um, and so then she uh, and they were very rude and so they so then she kind of came back with you know more it kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger and then it became this whole thing um, but but not only was it not what we expected, but also like, I think this woman was being probably too reasonable Mm -hmm. (laughs) with her original demands and, and McDonald's was just, you know, like not about it. And, and they caused a much bigger problem for themselves by, by letting it go on as long as it did. So yeah, I, I, I but they won in the end, right? They, they spun the narrative and it's as far as everyone remembers Mm -hmm. her, but like, but they did. Yeah. Overall, like sort of the information war, because I grew up basically with that story um, and I, and I, for the longest time thought, yeah, this is just some greedy person who is trying to just, you know, milk McDonald's for money because they spilled coffee on them. Like, are you kidding me? It's, mm-hmm. uh, and then I, I don't know, a few years ago, I, I heard a, I think it was a podcast about, they kind of like dug way into the story and it was like, oh, turns out it's pretty much exactly the opposite of what, what, what we were sort of collectively sort of told in, in like media and in like the general sort of passing of information in society right like that the narrative that was passed around was one thing and what was really happened was kind of the exact opposite which is 
which is it's a good point Dimitri that like you you know do your research make sure you don't make sure you don't um uh propagate stories that are definitely not true because right. that just makes the problem worse um and and then if you do hear a story that you accept perhaps on face value maybe look into it to see if to see if what they're saying is actually really what happened mm-hmm. sometimes it is sometimes it isn't I, yeah. I feel like a lot of problems and issues could be solved if that happened in general. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going back to critical thinking, unfortunately, yeah. is not a it's not a uh, a desired trait for some reason. No, society, and I wish it were. More education. Yep. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, so going to number three, uh, which is also true. So a former Uber driver filed a lawsuit against Uber because the star rating system was, according to them, being disproportionately uh, used to fire people who were not white or did not have an accent. Um, because as you can imagine, uh, us in America, we can be close, close-minded at times. And as soon as we uh, meet the quote-unquote other, uh, we are kind of, we put our shields up perhaps too high when it's not uh, super necessary. And because the star rating system was the only thing to kind of uh, get any feedback on drivers and Uber had a very strict, like you had to have a half stars or some. Uh, ridiculous number uh, to the point where drivers begged. Like, I don't know if, if you've heard this in your own experiences, but drivers would often beg for that five star because if they oh, lost yeah. it, they lost their job. Um, and it wasn't even their job as an employee. They lost the job that they had to hustle for uh, to make right. anything back and to pay off the car and things like that. So yeah, uh, big issue there. Um, so maybe don't rely on a star rating for your like ability to keep uh, your own employees, but I guess they're not employees. So, but yeah, in any case, going into the fact that they're not employees, um, California re uh, sued Uber and Lyft because uh, they were misclassifying them as employees. So to give you a bit of context earlier last year, I think uh, there was a new gig economy law uh, that basically said that uh, even though your workers are contractors, if they work a certain amount of hours, um, regardless of if they are fulfilling duties during those hours, if they are on call for those hours, you need to consider them as employees and give them basic human, uh, basic employee rights, I should say, <clears throat> rather than treating them as corporations, which are quote unquote people in the United States. Um, and uh, Uber and Lyft have basically been stalling up until the point of Prop 22, which they won, uh, and they no longer have to classify uh, any of their drivers as employees. Uh, so consider this a warning if you live in any other states to make sure that a similar Prop 22 does not uh, enter in there. Um, Uber and Lyft spent the most money that has ever been spent on any proposition to make this the law. Um, and be very careful of advertising that claims that drivers wholly support this because this is the only way uh, that they could um, that they could survive. If Uber and Lyft are forced to treat their drivers as employees, there will be less drivers, but those employees will be better treated as a result of that. Um, so always, always consider like what's at stake with propositions because once they become law, they kind of stay law, uh, especially when they sneak in those um, to remove this. We need like four fifths majority uh, vote to get rid of um, this mandate kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, 
lots yeah. of lots of sketchy behavior from Uber over the years, uh, which led to fun research for today. Uh, <laughs> in all honesty, um, so I have links for all of these. Uh, I will leave links for all of these in the show notes and on our site. So be sure to check those out if you want to learn more. And uh, with that, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released. And feel free to tweet at us if there's a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this. And we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. So due to uh, scheduling, uh, we do not have a complete the code this week. So be sure to listen to last week's episode to kind of get up to date on that and submit your answers. Remember, there is a promo code uh, that we will be giving to the winner for that. So uh, please be sure to uh, give it a try. And once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter. And Ben, who is at Ferris Guy, that's F-E-R-R-O-U-S-G-U-I on Twitter, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri, and you can find me at Dimitri Buniol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.